If you shop at Costco, this may sound familiar. Is that a spot? No. Oh, are you leaving? No. Are you walking to your parking spot? Oh, okay. Anyone leaving? Anyone? Ah, you took my spot. Are you taking that? Yeah? Okay. Mr. Toyota RAV4 wants to take my spot. People have gotten into brawls over parking spots at Costco. That's partly because the chain of club stores has become so popular, it's now the second most profitable retailer in Canada. The number one spot goes to Loblaws. In 2019, Costco's revenues surpassed other grocery chains, including Metro, Sobeys, IGA, and Safeway. And a lot of that has to do with Costco's expansion into grocery. In Canada, a growing number of consumers are shifting the way they shop for food. Today on Industry Interrupted, why are so many Canadians changing their shopping habits? And how are traditional grocery stores trying to win us back? I'm Sean Stanley. Oh my god, it's a spot. It's a spot. I'm parking my car. First, let's hear from our sponsor. You work hard to get ahead, so why not make the most out of your hard-earned money? Stay ahead with Fidelity Investments. Go to fidelity.ca slash stay ahead for the latest trends affecting your financial well-being. Well, this is our juice bar. Uh, it's called Giuseppe's. My name is Giuseppe, actually. So it's kind of named after me, but with the word juice in my name. That's Joe D'Addario, a.k.a. Giuseppe. He's the co-founder and president of Nature's Emporium a chain of health food stores in the greater Toronto area. So now we're entering our uh, vitamin department, uh, our health and beauty department. Back in 1993, Joe and his dad Angelo opened a small store in Newmarket, Ontario. They sold bulk foods and vitamins. In the late 90s, Joe noticed customers started to ask for more organic products. People were just kind of getting sick and tired of feeling sick and tired all the time and they realize that it's got to be the food that they're eating. And sometimes they would go to California or out to BC and try a product, and then they would come back and say, why don't you carry this product? And we, we would try to bring it in, and we would. The business took off. Sales kept rising, and Nature's Emporium kept moving into bigger and bigger locations to accommodate demand. We took over an existing uh, conventional supermarket. They, they ended up closing, and we ended up taking the space. Yeah, so... The unconventional store took over the conventional store. <laughs> In the past six years, Joe has opened three more stores. We've had double-digit growth uh, year over year since we've opened the store in Newmarket. We average close to $1,000 per square foot in sales per year, which I think is in the top sales for our industry. So, yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. I can't complain. <laughs> Nature's Emporium is among a number of specialty food shops that have experienced a surge in sales over the last decade. Other stores in that category include butchers, fishmongers, and green grocers. According to a survey done by the publication Canadian Grocer, these retailers have experienced a 62% increase in sales since 2010. Meanwhile, sales growth at traditional grocery chains has been sluggish. Last year, they reported a sales increase of just 0.4% over the previous year. During the same period, CIBC World Markets estimated significantly higher growth for Walmart and Costco. 
their sales increased by an average of almost 9%. Canadians love sales and promotions. Uh, they're real drivers for them to get into the box and shop. Uh, at the same time, uh, Canadians are not cheapskates. They uh, expect good quality, and they're real treasure hunters, as we call them. That's Amar Singh. He's a senior analyst with Kantar Consulting. Amar follows what's happening in the Canadian retail market, both online and in-store. He also studies what motivates consumers to spend. Amar says part of the reason Costco has become the second most profitable store in the country is that Canadians get a kick out of exploring. There's always this curiosity to see what's new and what's there, and this is like a fun trip when you can snack on different sections of the store, see more merchandising, and then the value hunt experience or the treasure hunt experience with the clothing. There are certain like you know brands that they carry, and once they're gone, they're gone. And that nature of just like the fear of missing out, if you will, also is a big driver to get them in the box. So, you know, it's a combination of all those things, the convenience play, the treasure hunt play, as well as the value proposition. Sylvain Charlebois agrees value is a major driver for consumers. He's the director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. Sylvain is also known as, quote, the food professor. Sylvain says Costco is selling about as much food as Walmart in the neighborhood of $14 billion in Canada each year. Let's face it, uh, still today, the number one uh, decision criteria which influences consumers is price. And, uh, and Walmart has a good reputation through its logistics. It's able to really provide good prices to, to consumers, and consumers know that. And, and in the food space, they no longer build new Walmarts in Canada uh, unless 50% of the entire space is dedicated to food. And that's how serious Walmart Canada is committed to food. And so that's, that's only going to increase. Food sales in Walmart are, are higher than Metro, which is a traditional food retailer now. So their expansion is unbelievable. And at the other end of the spectrum, what about those specialty shops that have experienced considerable sales growth? The biggest driver is convenience. Our pursuit for convenience is unbelievable. It's something that really has become a priority for a lot of people in the last five years. Health is, has always been there, but if you're not offering something that is convenient, portable, for example, something you can actually eat behind the wheel, walking from point A to point B, it becomes problematic. And, and so that's why companies are looking at snacking quite seriously. All the food shows you do around the world now, snacking is a big deal because they, they know we don't have time to cook and we need to eat very quickly. Sylvain says that's reflected in the way we visit grocery stores. Today, the average Canadian will spend about 20 minutes shopping. 20 years ago, we spent, on average, more than 40 minutes at the store. We don't have time to uh, grocery shop as much, and we don't have time to spend in a kitchen. Uh, in 1950, the average woman was spending about 3 to 3.5 hours a day uh, in the kitchen. That's no longer possible because uh, everyone is contributing to the economy. So there's lots of things that grocers have, have failed to do over the years, but now they're starting to, to pick up the pace. The last couple of years, I would say, are, have been quite interesting compared to the last three decades. The last three decades have been actually quite boring. 
the last few years you're seeing this awakening uh, around technology around the recognition that consumers are individuals and are looking for different types of food I've been in the grocery business for 31 years, and I remember not that long ago writing my orders to the distribution center on papers and faxing it in. That's Gary Senecal. He's the chief customer officer at Lawbuzz. Gary agrees that shoppers today feel much more rushed than ever before. What they're buying is changing, so they're looking for meal solutions as opposed to ingredients. We're seeing a lot bigger um, you know, push on, hey, I need a solution tonight for dinner. Our current consumers looking at technology to help them save time. Meeting that need will be key in helping supermarket brands grow their sales. Amar Singh, the retail analyst, projects conventional grocery chains will grow a modest 1.2% over five years. Online sales are a different story. When we look at online, we're looking at about 16% growth over the next five years, which is tremendous. In the past few years, more and more Canadian grocery chains have started offering or expanding their online shopping presence. Why did it take so long for this shift to happen? And what will the shopping experience of the future look like? First, a message from our sponsor. This podcast was made possible through the support of Fidelity Investments. All over the world, Fidelity Investments is looking for inspired investment opportunities to help you make the most of your hard-earned money. Stay ahead with Fidelity Investments. Go to fidelity.ca slash stayahead for valuable investment tools and their latest insights. I can remember going grocery shopping with my mother. Sitting in the cart, my legs dangling, we went up and down the aisles, me begging for lucky charms. But somehow, we'd always end up with grape nuts. Then we'd get to the checkout. Did you find everything okay today? Yes, thanks. My mother would sort through her coupons and then drag the bags to the car. Every week, the same routine. It may sound like a familiar experience, but not for everyone. I have a colleague of mine who works in our digital business who was explaining to me that ever since their daughter was born, they've only ever used our uh, PC Express business. And Uh, For one reason or another, I think they had to go into the store maybe about a month ago, and the uh, daughter was absolutely mesmerized by what are all those people doing in our store and why are they touching my food. Loblaw's Gary Senecal is referring to the company's online grocery service. You simply select your store and pick up time online, then start shopping for your favorite items exactly the way you want them. When it's ready, you pick up the bags at the store and pay a $3 to $5 fee for the convenience. It started off as a pilot project with a few stores in 2014. It's since expanded into more than 700 across the country. Industry analysts like Sylvain Charlebois say the wake-up call for grocery chains to get online happened in 2017. It all started when Amazon acquired Whole Foods a few years ago. That's when really executives here in Canada started to look at e-commerce much more seriously, even though it's only... Uh, represents maybe 1.5 to 1.8% of all food sales in Canada. Uh, it is growing at over 30% a year. Uh, so there's growth there. And uh, 1% uh, in the grocery business is still a lot of money. It's over a billion dollars in sales. So you don't want to compromise uh, your position 
only because you don't believe in e-commerce. So all of them believe in e-commerce. They just don't know exactly what model to develop over time. Sylvester's grocery chains weren't in a rush to get online, in part because your impulse purchases add up. You know, that bag of chips you grabbed on the way to the dairy section? I think the sector was infatuated with the concept of not selling a product online to undermine foot traffic, essentially. The, the focus was to increase foot traffic in a physical store. That's been the way most executives have, have been thinking for the longest time. That's what's making a lot of food companies lose sleep at night. Most consumers don't realize it, but impulse buying actually helps the bottom line for many, many, many companies. After Amazon bought Whole Foods, a number of major grocery chains announced plans to introduce or expand their online presence. Costco is currently running a pilot to offer online food delivery in Ontario. That could actually be quite powerful for for Costco, given the amount of food being purchased every single time you go to Costco. The typical consumer will spend about $270 per visit at Costco, and a lot of it is food. Can you imagine if, if Costco allows someone else to carry all that stuff to your home or to someone else's home, uh, that becomes a very appealing proposition for a lot of consumers and businesses. Gary Senecal says Loblaws has been working on its online presence for almost a decade, starting with apparel and then moving into food. He says online retailers like Amazon affect what shoppers expect from stores like Loblaws. Historically, consumers used to compare us to our conventional grocery competitors. And what's changed now is they're comparing us to pure play online uh, players as well, and their expectations change. Similar to Amazon, Loblaws wants to personalize your online experience using data from your past purchases. A great example is Netflix, where um, you know there's this curated assortment personalized to me uh, based on what I want, and I can get it immediately. I mean, those are the type of experiences where customers are saying, hey, listen, if Netflix knows what I watch, um, you guys should know what I, what I buy. And, and that's where we're putting a lot of our effort today. The Sobeys grocery chain doesn't offer online ordering yet, but it's currently building distribution warehouses in Ontario and Quebec. The orders will be assembled with the help of robots. And the plan is delivering groceries to people's homes within one day of an order being placed. In the meantime, Sobeys is piloting another type of technology in its stores. The smart card announcement by Sobeys is just one example uh, of how a grocer is trying to get into our brains uh, to understand consumer behavior into a store. Sylvain Charlebois is referring to Sobeys' new pilot project, a smart grocery cart that allows you to scan and pay for items on the spot, allowing you to skip the most tedious part of the shopping experience, the checkout line. So you'll walk into a store, grab a smart cart. The smart cart will basically add up the cost of your trip. As you go along into the store, there'll be a GPS, a built-in GPS into the cart. Uh, you can actually put in a recipe and the cart will tell you exactly where to get all of the ingredients. Throughout that process, the grocer will capture more data about you, about us. And that can actually help them become better e-commerce players. That's exactly what Amazon has been doing with Whole Foods. And that's how Amazon has done very well in e-commerce over the years. Over at Loblaws, Gary Senecal says the chain also has plans to introduce more automation into the store. 
think the most exciting one for us is the um, electronic shelf labels where we've replaced all that paper that uh, we were using, uh, putting up prices in stores. We are exploring an option where customers using their phone will be able to check out and avoid the checkout line. So we're working on all those processes. So tech in store is a big part of our plan going forward. It's clear the opportunity for growth in this industry will come from online expansion and new in-store technologies. But Gary points out that for the most part, this is still a business about people. A lot of our stores have been in communities for two, three generations where, you know, we, we hear those stories about I was the kid in the cart and I'm pushing the cart. What's interesting to me is going through all of our customer surveys, generally at the end of the day, when I review the customer surveys, it's always about a human interaction. It's always about when we did it right or when we did it wrong. And seldom do I get, you know, responses to our technology improvements. It's always been about Mary at this store or this butcher did a phenomenal job or this pharmacist did a, uh, did a phenomenal job and really helped me with, with X, right? And I think the role of our stores, it's going to continue to be that hub uh, in the community where people go to interact with our colleagues. Thanks for listening to this episode of Industry Interrupted. Industry Interrupted is produced by Anne Lang, Laura Regeer, Tara Deschamps, and Stephanie Chan. I'm Sean Stanley. Thanks to our sponsor, Fidelity Investments. 